0: You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with Evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as Evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today.
1: Hosea chapter 4, and I will begin reading in verse 6. My people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me, therefore, while I changed their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. verse 10, for they shall eat and not have enough, they shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. And focus on verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I've been speaking to our college and career every other Tuesday night, we've been uh, going through, and if you've noticed some of the things I've said, if you've ever read the book Knowledge of the Holy, then, then, um, then you hear some of the things that I'm saying, you've, you've read them in that book. am not going to pretend like I came up with some of this stuff when I didn't. I'm um, not going to pretend like it originated with me. It originated from God. It originated from the Bible. And that's where A.W. Tozer got uh, some of these thoughts from. We are in need of revival in America. We have revival conferences. In fact, we're having one this week. You see revival conferences year after year, month after month, and people come to the altar. And they get right with God for that moment, and then it just so happens that many of the times we continue on in the sin in which we repented of, or at least asked God to forgive us of at the altar. We make professions and declarations that we're going to change and, and, and be different. We're going to be different this time, but then also oh, often we fall, we fall back. And so the church goes, it waxes and wanes, our churches across America. We individually, we wax and wane in our Christian life, but we never really continually wax. We never really continually live in a state of revival. Living in a state of revival is something that is is approachable, something that is acquirable by each and every one of you sitting here today, if you're saved and on your way to heaven. It is God's will for you to live in a state of revival. Not something magical or mystical. It's God's will for you to walk with him. I believe that one of the biggest problems across our independent fundamental Baptist churches is that we're able to recite doctrines and we're able to recite creeds, but we still don't really have a knowledge of who God is. And Paul in Philippians verse, chapter 3 verse 10 didn't say that I may know about him. He said that I may know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, we have these doctrinal creeds in our head. We've sung many of the songs in Sunday school as children. We teach our children these Sunday school songs, like, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. But then we as parents, we go on in our Christian lives, and, and we act like God isn't actually omnipotent. I'm not going to speak on the omnipotence of God this morning. What I'm going to speak on is the omnipresence of God. Another very familiar doctrine. When you think of omnipresence, you hear that word, omna, and When you hear that word, amna, it means all. And when you hear that word, presence, you know what that means. That present, God is present everywhere. It's so often we don't really apply this to our hearts and it's not that we don't have a knowledge and believe it to be true we believe to some extent that God is present everywhere it's not that we don't believe it it's that the knowledge of who God is takes no hold on our hearts no consistent continual hold on our hearts so when we're met with a trial with a difficult circumstance we begin to doubt and wonder if God is actually there we begin to doubt and wonder if God is actually who he says he is and many times we don't actually say that in our hearts, we don't actually say I don't believe God is who he says he is, but it's not necessarily about what we say that matters, it's about how we act what we do that portrays what we really believe in our hearts if it doesn't take hold on our hearts then there's There's no value in believing in the omnipresence of God. You can sit there all day long and and recite a creed and, and tell me about what this doctrine means and what that doctrine means. But if it doesn't actually take hold of your heart, if it doesn't actually make a difference in your life, then it's no value to you. It's vain. And God speaks through the prophet Hosea and says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I believe in our Baptists, our fundamental Baptist churches, more educated sort of kinda, more at least we have more information available to us, I should say, than any generation previous, yet we are so ignorant of who God actually is. I want you to flip over to the book of Psalm. That's where you will stay this morning, most likely. We're going to read a little bit about the omnipresence of God, and while we read this, there are going to be some attributes of who God is revealed to you in these scriptures. We're going to simply focus on the omnipresence of God, but I I want it to be said and accounted that when we talk about the doctrines of God, we, we, we divide them up and look at a certain aspect of who God is, but no attribute of God can be separated from the other. The omniscience of God cannot be separated from the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God cannot be separated from the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God cannot be separated from the self-existence of God. There is no attribute that you can separate from God. He's not like us. He's not divided into parts. He is completely unified in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. These are important concepts and attributes for important doctrines that we need to understand, but not just understand, believe. In chapter Psalm 139, and verse seven we'll begin reading, "Whither shall I go from thy spirit?" Or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend? I hear, did I not give you the psalm number? Okay, Psalm 139 verse 7. Is everyone there? Say amen. amen. All right, that's a good amen. Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You can't hide from God. For thou hast possessed my reins. Not even in your heart can you hide from God. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, praise the Lord. Life begins at conception. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see... On the presence of God, see my substance yet being unperfect. Wow. And God would actually be present with an unperfect person. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you so much that you've blessed us in this life with a book where we can actually get to know you. We thank you that we're not subject to our own vain minds of figuring out who you are, but we can actually see who you are through your holy scriptures. And we just pray that you would reveal to hearts this morning what is needed to be revealed. Lord, each and every one of us needs this doctrine to understand it in a greater and fuller extent. And I pray that you would show us that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we begin delving into the omnipresence of God, let me make another point about the attributes of God. You've grown up knowing and believing and understanding the omnipresence of God. But you need to remember that every attribute of God is infinite. You need to understand that every attribute of God is infinite. Therefore, you can never come to an end of understanding the omnipresence of God. If you're sitting here this morning and I opened up and you said, well, I know all about the omnipresence of God, you are proven in your heart that you're actually, I don't mean to be mean. I'm not being mean. But there's a certain level of ignorance there. Any attribute of God, you ought to be struck with stepping back and saying, such knowledge is too high, such knowledge is too wonderful to me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. As David said in Psalm 139, verse 6, you cannot understand the omnipresence of God. We can just grasp the Lord puts it in our heart, if the Lord is so gracious to show us a little bit more, we can grasp just a little bit more about who he is in his omnipresence and be changed just a little bit more into his likeness. That's the purpose of this. It's not to gain a head knowledge, but it's to gain a heart knowledge. God fills heaven and earth just as, as the ocean surrounds a bucket. The ocean is in the bucket, and the ocean is around the bucket. So God surrounds everything and is in everything that exists. Because if he doesn't surround everything that exists, and if, he doesn't, and if he's not in everything that exists, then he's not actually omnipresent. He is not material, and therefore is not limited by space. We use this omnipresence as a creature word. We can be present here, but we can't be present in another place. A creature word, that is that there's no such thing as presence before the existence of a material world. But God was always omnipresent before he created anything. His creating all things was not a change in who he was, but his creating all things, he continued to be omnipresent. So he is then therefore present in every single circumstance, in every single case, in all things both visible and invisible. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27 says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. God is not just immense. He's infinite. He's infinitely immense. The heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built, this is Solomon exclaiming, praising the Lord for the house, the temple that was built. He says, listen, I've built this house so that you might take abode here. But how can you take abode here when you take abode everywhere? There is no home of God. God exists everywhere. This house that I've built, it cannot contain thee. And if we continue to build upon this line of thinking, we can just be struck back in awe, amazement, wonder, and worship for the omnipresent God. The omnipresence means that there is no nowhere where God is not. So I ask you a few questions so we can think about this. And I want you to understand this line of questioning is not to make things complicated, but it's to make things simple. It's to simplify the omnipresence of God. It's to figure out what it actually means. Is God in this place? We know where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. God is present in a prayer meeting. God is present in your family devotions. Is He in you? Is He in you? Raise your hand. Is He on the other end of the universe? If you believe that, raise your hand. Is He in heaven? Some of you just don't want to raise your hand. I understand. I do that too sometimes. I always think whenever I don't raise my hand and don't answer pastor questions, I'm like, this is going to happen to me. It's just going to come right back to me. Um, Is he in every single molecule in your body which are made up of atoms? Is he in every single atom of your body? Is that true? Raise your hand. He's present everywhere. Is he in the tree outside? Is he in the tree? Raise your hand. Is he in... This is where I'm not trying to make things complicated. I want you to think about this. Is he in an unsaved man? Raise your hand if he's in an unsaved man. Okay, a little less. Was he in, is he in a good Christian? Raise your hand. Is he in a bad Christian? Raise your hand. Is he in Adolf, was he in Adolf Hitler? Raise your hand. Is he in hell? Is he in Satan? Raise your hand. We feel uncomfortable about saying that, don't we? Do you understand? If God's not in Satan, then He's not omnipresent. If He's not in an unsaved man, then He's not omnipresent. If He's not in hell, then He's not omnipresent. If He wasn't in Adolf Hitler... Even Adolf Hitler, who may have been possessed by Satan himself, if he's not in Adolf Hitler, then he's not omnipresent. Omnipresent means that he's present everywhere. And these are uncomfortable thoughts to us. And they're uncomfortable thoughts to us because we have trouble distinguishing two different kinds of the presence of God, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Our problem accepting this as truth lies in us thinking that God to be like ourselves. Psalm 50 verse 21 says, These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. We think God to have a body of some sort, and so must guard himself from getting hurt in hell, or guard himself from being tainted with the evil of the unsaved. Somehow we think, though, he's not tainted with the evil of the saved, even though he fills us with the Holy Ghost. Somehow we think that God, because he's holy, God, because he's holy, would be tainted with the evil of Satan himself. And these are right thoughts to continue thinking through to get to the bottom of what the omnipresence of God actually means. We think he must guard himself. We think he must um, do something. He cannot be present in Adolf Hitler. He cannot be present in the devil. Or he cannot be present in hell because he might be soiled by the immorality and the sinful wickedness of mankind. And God is Holy. He is separate. But there's something about God that we need to intertwine with the omnipresence of God, and that is that He's self-existent. This means that in all ways, God doesn't need anything. He cannot be affected with the presence of evil from without. God is not affected by it. You and I, we put ourselves in the presence of evil. We put ourselves in the presence of any kind of evil, and we're affected by it. That's why we need to live separated lives because we're sinful and we're prone to wander. But God is not like us, He's not such an one as thyself. He's not affected by evil, He's independent. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything and he doesn't need protection to be guarded from evil. He does not need outside forces to help him be holy because he is holy. That is who he is. He doesn't need guarding and protection. There are no outside forces that can make him unholy because that is what he is. You and I strive to be holy. Holy, we live lives that are separated. We try to be holy. And I'm creating a misnomer by by saying that, but I cannot go there right now. He is who He is. He is holy. He is that I am that I am. Proverbs verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Now, is hell included in every place? If it's not, then our Bible needs to be revised, and my King James Bible does not need to be revised. Is God in every place? Then he's in Satan. Satan. I'm not being blasphemous, folks. This is the doctrine of the omnipresence of God. It's something that is valuable to think about. Because it's something that as we make application will will help you. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Eyes. Does God have eyes? No, God doesn't have a body like us. But God uses instances like this. He he says himself to have hands and he says himself to have eyes in order to relate to us so that we might understand a little bit more about, how, uh, about him. Because the fact is, is that God is nothing like us. There is nothing on earth that you can compare God to. He doesn't have eyes. You can't make an idol that would have God having eyes. He's a spirit. He has no eyes. But the Bible says that he has eyes. And what that's telling us is that he's present. In every place. What do we really mean then when we talk about the presence of God? Picturing God having eyes is something that can help us understand God having presence everywhere. When you and I are present in a place, we are able to smell things. Well, most of us. I can't smell anymore. Doctor cut the nerve up there. But we're able to smell things, some of us. We're able to touch things. We're able to see things, and we're able to hear things. You see, our presence, if we're there, if you're here this morning, then you might not be listening, but you at least have the ability to listen. Your eyes might be closed and you might be falling asleep, but you can at least have the ability to see. When you're present someplace, you have the ability to experience what is going on here. Well, the Bible says that God has eyes and He's in a place and He's beholding the evil and the good. It means that He is present and He's there to see what is going on. This is why the omnipresence and the omniscience, God knowing everything, the omnipresence and the omniscience of God are intimately intertwined. When we say God is present someplace, we are saying the same thing, that He's able to see and hear all things in all places from one end of the universe to the other. For as high as heaven and as low as hell, God is there. From the holiest of hearts to the most evil of hearts, God is there beholding the evil and the good. Simply put, there must be, God must be present even in the most evil places. Otherwise, he cannot know the thoughts and he cannot know the intents of the hearts without someone else telling him. God doesn't need an agent, an agent to send out to tell him what's going on because he's already there. He doesn't send angels into an evil man's heart to figure out what's going on in the thoughts and intents of the heart. An angel doesn't have the ability to do that. Only God does. Only God is present everywhere in each and every one of your hearts this morning, whether you're saved or unsaved. God is there speaking to you, convicting you, whether you're saved or unsaved. It is his presence that allows him to know these things. He has no second-hand knowledge. He has all first-hand knowledge of everything that has ever happened in the history of the course of human events and events all outside, even our universe. That is the omnipresence of God, and that is something that you and I cannot fathom. We can't even fathom the size of our earth, cannot fathom the size of our galaxy, cannot fathom the size of our universe. And God is present in all of those places, even outside of that which He created. And that doesn't make sense, but God is present everywhere. And there are things about the Bible that we simply cannot explain. We must just, instead of filtering it through our reasoning and our thinking, just believe that God is who He says He is in the Word of God. Jeremiah 23 24 says, Can any hide Himself in secret places that I shall not see Him? saith the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth? saith the Lord. Fill He's not just around the tree. He's in every place inside of the tree. He's not just around the lost man. He's in each and every cell inside of the lost man. You're saying, Brother Aaron, what's your point? We're we're getting there. We need to understand. We need to establish a doctrine and understanding of what it means before we can make application to our lives. And applications have really already been made. His presence isn't more in one place than another. He's not more here than he is in the White House. He's not more in your heart than he is in an unsaved man's heart. You see, God cannot be divided. He's all present in every place that he is. He's 100% there in every place that he is. Again, something that you and I cannot fathom. But something that is true nonetheless. It's interesting though that we are scarcely all in in any place that we are. Boy, what this world, how different this world could be if you and I were just all in wherever we are. So then, you've been asking questions inside of your mind, I know, as we've been thinking about this, as I make the point that God is just as present here as He is in the White House, God is just as present in your heart as He is in the unsaved man's heart, and you think, well, what about the filling of the Holy Ghost? And what does it mean when God says where two or three are gathered together in my name? There I am in the midst of them. You see, there's a difference between the doctrine of the omnipresence of God and something we could identify as the manifest presence of God. Manifest presence, that is God showing himself. You see, when we talk about hell, we say that a sinner is separated from God for all eternity. That means he's going to be punished. God is there, but he's not going to show himself himself to any sinner in hell for all eternity. That is an awful state to be in. To never again feel conviction of the Holy Ghost. To never again feel hope. There is no hope in hell. You and I in this world, the only hope that we have is the presence of God. You see, there's a difference between the manifest presence of God and God just simply being in all places at all times. You see, the manifest presence of God is not in hell. It's not in the devil. It's not in an unsaved person. God doesn't show Himself, manifest Himself. He doesn't have His name be glorified in the way that His name is glorified through the work of the local church, and His name is glorified through the work of a Christian. There's a difference between you being filled with the Holy Ghost and, a, and, the, and God being present in an unsaved man to convict him of a sin. There's a difference between God being present where two or three are gathered together in my name and God being present on any other place on earth. You see, there's a difference, and the difference is the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Collins, the free thinker, met a simple countryman one Sunday morning going to church. He asked him where he was going. To church, sir, was the man's reply. And what do you do when you get there, said the freethinker. I worship God. Pray, tell me, said Collins, whether your God is a great God or a little God. He is both, said the man. How can he be both, said Collins? Why, sir, was the answer. He is so great that the heavens cannot contain him, and so little that he can dwell in my heart. Can you imagine? The God of infinite scope that is so great that the heavens cannot contain him, would choose to take abode in your heart and manifest himself in your heart? That he's so big that he can occupy the entire universe, but so mindful of you and me in our low estate, that he would take also his abode inside of us. Wow. Wow. When we say that, I'm going to have to skip that. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Feel like God's a little bit far from you? You feel like God's a little distant from you this morning. There's probably something separating you and God. He's not a God of far off. He's a God that's reachable. He's a God that's reachable only through humble contrition of the heart and soul of a man or a woman or a child. Can any hide himself in secret places that shall not see him? Saith the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth? Saith the Lord. You see, the omnipresence of God, what comes to our thoughts immediately is that He sees all of our evil deeds. He sees all of our evil deeds. You can hide yourself from man, but you can't hide yourself from God. You can do secrets, you can do secret sins, and, and you can seem to get away with it, and man doesn't know about your secret sins, and, and you feel like you're getting away with it, but God knows. And what's amazing in our Christian hearts is that we've debased God so low that we care more about what other people think about us. And we care more about whether or not other people see our sins than whether or not God sees our sins. And the fact of the matter is is that if God is omnipresent, then he sees all the sins of your heart. Why don't you care? Why is it that, well, I can just get away with this. Only God sees me. Only God sees me? He's the only one that can judge you for your sin in the extent that you can be judged for your sin. Only God can see me? He's the only one that created the laws of sin. And what is sin and not sin? Not mankind. Only God can see me? You've exalted man higher than God. And we wonder why we don't have revival in our churches. It's because we really don't believe God is who He says He is. Seeing God, knowing that God is omnipresent, can be a scary thought. It can also be a comforting thought. Psalm 139 and verse 10 even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Brother and sister, you guys are going to the Philippines, Mindanao. Mindanao is it's not the safest place in the Philippines. It's probably the most dangerous place in the Philippines. But if that's where God wants you to go, then that's where He is. There's no place. There is no place that you can escape the presence of God. And there's no place that you can escape as you're following God. There's no place that you can escape His leading. There's no place that you can escape His right hand holding you up. There's no place that you can escape His providing for you. Oh, that we would get this and understand this and just completely rely on the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God, Him being the Almighty One, knowing that He all is always there wherever we are and will supply our needs. We don't have to look for some other fancy measure for Him to supply our needs. He's always there. Just trust Him. He's always there to comfort your heart, dear Christian. When others seem far away and others have abandoned you, God God is there. And He just wants to be, imagine this, the infinite immensity of God just wants to be your friend. And once you in those times of trouble where you feel like no one else can understand, He wants you to just lean on His breast and be His friend and find consolation in Him and get to know Him just a little bit better. He's there to get to be known. The infinite one is there to get to be known. It ought to bring us to a desire for holy action. If we know that God is witnessing what we do in this life, and He is. We allow ourselves to escape that f- thought, but the fact is is that God is there witnessing your Christian conduct, and He is there witnessing what you do. His eyes behold you today, Christian. What is it that God is asking you to do that you're not doing? It ought to drive us knowing that He's always there. It ought to drive us to give our lives for the glory of God. What's wrong with us, folks? What's wrong with us? How is it that we know these things and we read about these things? But when the rubber meets the road, and when times get difficult, and when temptation comes... We just kind of give a wink and a nod to the omnipresence of God and pretend like it's not even true. What's wrong with us? As long as we go on not believing that God is who he says he is, we will not have revival. That's a fact. That is a fact. Man needs to find a way to walk with God. A God who's already there, ready and wanting and willing to walk with you. So walk with Him.
0: Walk with God.